Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Stranger Nerds podcast. I'm Connor Vandermark. As alongside the other Jersey nerds, we have Nick Izzo and Tommy Grant. So today we are covering episode uh, chapter six, the monster of season one, and we're going to dive right into it uh, with our previous predictions that me and Izzo had. Uh, Izzo, do you remember your predictions the last time? Uh, no, Tommy yelled at me to write it down afterwards, and I still didn't do it, so I'm terrible. Um, <laughs> damn it, Izzo. Way, way to go, so, way to go. Way to go. Uh, I am creating a Word document as we speak, actually, uh, so that I can write this down for myself. Great. Well, so we Connor, have... back to you. Do you have your prediction from last week? Uh, I should in my Excel document. And do, 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 do. Yeah, I was, I was a, I was a uh, B plus student. Or, yes, as we I do. I did find it. So my prediction from last time was I thought that Nancy would be actually stuck more within the upside down and thought that maybe she would even find Will. That was my first thought. Um, and also I thought that either either Jonathan teams up with the boys or Hopper would find uh, or uh, t- team up with the boys or Hopper to find Nancy. So I thought she would be stuck in there. That was my whole like thought process and um which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, yep. But, yeah, that, I thought that was more like a, her kind of re- reconnect with Will and Barb because we haven't seen them in a while. Maybe that was their chance to get back on the screen, maybe. That's how I was kind of see it, like, director-wise. Um, mm-hmm. But it went a different direction, but I thought decent episode. I was happy with it. You're on the right track. Just uh, things didn't pan out. Nick, mm-hmm. what about you? I actually do remember my prediction. Um, I just had to oh, jog, jog the old memory. I know, right? Goldfish memory. See, like I said, um, it's like a hamster in a wheel, and he just gets tired up there. Yeah, I had to see. I had to go through the ABCs, and that helped me uh, formulate <laughs> what the hell I was thinking. Um, so I predicted. Uh, it, really, my only prediction, um, honestly, was for Hopper. Um, I didn't really have any for the kids but the only one that i had for hopper was that he was gonna like further break in to the lab um that was that was my prediction um yeah that's that's pretty much what i had i didn't really know what to expect for the kids so i, I didn't think of anything there yeah th- this was definitely more of a filler episode i think for i felt that way Hopper storyline. So. He didn't really have that big a role in this episode, but what he did go into was pretty important, but we'll definitely get to that. Um, starting off a Connor's prediction with the Nancy-Jonathan storyline, we definitely... I definitely thought she was going to be stuck in the Upside Down when I first watched this, but she got pulled out much faster than we all expected. Um, I thought it was kind of odd how the gateways kind of work. I still can't figure out how the fuck they work because last episode we see Nancy calling and Jonathan kind of just runs in the opposite direction. And then all of a sudden this episode, it's like she's calling out to him and he magically hears her through this new portal. And was it the same portal as last week or was it a different tree? That, that part kind of confused me a little bit. It was definitely the same. It was definitely the same tree. tree. I will definitely say that. Um, had the same, uh, bark the same density tree. to it as it did on the last one. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All about that girl. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, so if you noticed from last episode, the tree was slowly closing, but did not close. Um, and I, I kind of figured that how I interpreted it as, you know, once Nancy found the tree that was she was leaving from, uh, or entered from, it was a chain tree that they pulled her out from. Um, and uh, yeah, with all this, like, to me, like, w- I guess we'll get into a little bit later. Um, but one thing that they referenced was like, oh, they had the hypothesis that like, oh, this thing maybe senses blood. Um, and something I thought like, oh, um, we, we know that this thing can, you know, there's different gateways than that they're trying to find and, you know, get to. I'm assuming this thing has the ability to make its own gateway because it's moving back in and out and it is hunting. No, mm-hmm. it, may, it, will, it would make sense to, to have its own doorway in and out to its area and just create its own, like make a little rip through the port, rip to rip through whatever hell. Cause it's like the, um, like the acrobat and the flea uh, scenario, um, analogy that the, uh, the teacher gave. No, this thing is like a flea where it can, it can walk through those different areas. Yeah. And we definitely, it definitely checks out part of their theory, which they get into a little bit later in the episode where they definitely kind of pin down. It's a predator. It's tracking by blood that matches up with Barb because obviously we know she cut her hand open shortly before getting taken by the monster. But I don't think that holds up with Will's story because as far as I know, he didn't have any injuries on him when he got taken. So I think Will just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. So I'm curious how that whole blood theory is going to play out. I can't recall. I'm trying to think maybe he crashed his bike or something. But I don't think he crashed his bike at all. He crashed his bike after seeing the monster. So the monster was already hunting him. By the time he fell off mm, the bike. Mm, that's true. That is true. So that little theory I don't think pans out as well, but it definitely does for Barb. But anyway. Yeah, it could be the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. But for Nancy's sake, I mean, even Nancy, I don't think she was cut up or bleeding either when she got attacked. Well, either. it was well, – she was – um. the deers would would open the door. Yeah. Um, her, it wasn't an attack. It's more so like, oh, free food? Okay. <laughs> Be real. It's true. Hawkins in the end of buffet. Yeah. But so we see Nancy just barely escape the monster. Jonathan and her go back to Nancy's house to kind of come for her and kind of figure out what the fuck just happened. And shortly after that, we see Steve. Hold on, before you jump into there, because oh, I did boy. make the I made the made this note. Okay. Um, Jonathan, I know Mitchell's not Mitchell's not here today. By the way, I did not announce that earlier. Uh, he has he has a conflict um, for this episode and the next one, um, but he probably would yell at me. Um, good guy, Jonathan. Point that, like the first thing that was a little weird. Like he did, there was no mention of like, oh, you should stay over. It was more so. Jonathan's like, hey, I got a blanket and a pillow. I'm just sipping the floor, and there was no mention of like, you should stay over. Um. But like it's like oh sleeping the floor all right no, we've all been there no I guess especially when we're younger dating we were dating but even though they're not dating at all 
And also, the parents didn't know he was there either, so it was a little... Yeah. Like, like him, like, like just assuming, oh, I'm going to stay here, I guess. Um, His parents don't know anything. Well, no, they, parents. They are, but they like, are so oblivious. Well, Joyce... Well, I'm not, I won't say oblivious, because the fact that we've already seen with the interaction between Joyce and Jonathan, where... Like, for example, the, the day that Will disappeared, they all assumed that, oh, they made sure Will got into bed that night. Like, like they they assumed things got taken care of because that's how the household worked. And so I'm not surprised that on his end, everything's on the up and up. But definitely, uh, oh, just assuming I can stay here tonight with you. Like, I, I bet he had her best interest in mind. Like, oh, she's freak, literally freaked out of her mind and to be fair for jonathan's sake too i wouldn't want to go back home in the middle of the night because i don't think he had his car with him did he i do not recall because they don't i don't think they ever show them driving so i think they were walking so jonathan would probably have to walk across town in the middle of the night knowing that the monster is out there yeah, I would definitely. probably do what he did. Said, "Fuck this! I'm bunkering down for the night where it's safe." All right, that's also, true. And to comfort Nancy, there was definitely some alternative not- motives there, but it's true. The main thing was survival, not going back out there and risk getting eaten. That's true. All right, I def- on to Steve. Oh, I, but yes, I, I know if Mitchell was here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I cut off Nick. Sorry. No, no, all good. But I uh, kind of just to go back to what Tommy's. Uh, question was before her point about like the I guess the portals I guess we can call them. Um, they definitely appear yeah, to be for now I, I call them portals portals right yeah they definitely appear to be like proximity based I think like I, I to me it doesn't seem like they can like the monsters can just like make one like out of thin air I guess so to speak but I think there are certain ones that because they seem to be like so territorial in that forest it seems like they just have a bunch of them like kind of just like you know tunnels that they can just well i think it comes from the other side mainly like i think that's what triggers it i think if you're close to it from the upside down that's what kind of opens it just kind of my observation that's a very fine observation sir so, but yeah, I, if Mitchell was here, he'd be mad at all of us for for what happens next. We see Jonathan comforting Nancy, and who happens to be strolling by but good old Steve? Yep. Little role reversal. Steve is now sort of being the creep, in my opinion, just staring at Nancy and Jonathan and hugging each other through the window in the bedroom. Mitchell, I'm sure, would be siding with Steve because he's 100% Team Steve. But come on, like I don't put I don't like in this case though you start seeing a to me at least you start seeing a change in Steve, yes, and him actually no compared to the previous episode he's like oh let's go to the movies and then even the two chuckleheads uh it's on the show doc somewhere Carol and, Carol yeah those two idiots um they're like. They're they're ribbing him like oh no like you have feelings you love her, but it was like he but he realized like oh, 
I just told Nancy to swing around a baseball bat just out of willy nilly, and that's not like her. <laughs> and yep. something's up here. And I give him credit, like, hey, not too shabby, kid. Like, you no, know, you're at least looking out for her. And like, he already went through her window the first time, so it isn't like it's a unknown interest into her bedroom. Um, so like, and like, I kind of feel like, you no, know, when you see, you no, know, of course the the quote unquote creepy kid kind of have his arm around Nancy or at least comforting her. That's like, that's like, especially him not being prepared for that to happen. I could definitely see him being ticked off, which yeah. I, it's a situation. I don't blame him. I don't blame Jonathan either. Like, yeah. So, I mean, and again, like you were saying, Steve definitely has, he's going through a lot of stuff and this season we kind of see a little emotional roller coaster with Steve where he's just, Good guy, then bad guy. Good guy, then bad guy. And we'll see that play out for the next couple episodes, too. And that's also kind of why I was hesitant to be fully Team Jonathan last episode because I do know how his story arc plays out. And it definitely definitely evolves a lot from this episode. But right now, he's in defensive mode. He's pissed off. And that's where we see in a little bit him... Tommy and Carol kind of just graffitiing Nancy the slut wheeler all over the movie theater. What did the movie theater do to anybody? Like, why was that the sign to pick of all things? You know, I don't know. Well, I, th- I thought the same thing. And I was like, really? Like, that's the place you have to choose above. Like, not, <clears throat> not like the lockers at school, not like, yeah. you know, <clears throat> something like that. Like, the, the movie theater. Like, what? I took it that I I, I took that as um, I wanted to go here with you, though. But you decided to blow me off for no creepazoid. Um, So that's how I took it as, and it was very you know was an asshole thing to do. Yes, but there are teenagers who are who no. What's the one phrase? Nothing is as dangerous as a lover scorn. I don't, I don't know the exact phrasing of that, but like it's very similar to that. Yeah, and it's hell hath no fury. Can, like a woman no, it's scorned. it's yeah, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Thank you, thank you, Nick. So but in this case it's (laughs) but in this case it's steve and steve is a teenager who is going through hormones and definitely having the the um twiddle d and twiddle dumb chirping in your ear yep does not help it either egging him on and no making him because he's an impressionable teenager and yeah he, of course, he's going to do dumb shit because of that. Yeah, and then right after this, we see Nancy and Jonathan come from hunting supply run, which I thought was hysterical. Comical. Comical. <laughs> I mean, I saw that being something that we would do if we were in this situation. We'd be like, you know what? Let's go to the store and buy a bunch of random shit that we use as weapons, and that's how we're going to go out. And they just had a bunch of random stuff. And next thing you know, just the nonchalant. This like this this the uh, the phrase of Nancy like like we get all the shit for. I'm like, 
hunting monsters. And I was like, <laughs> the guy's like, all right. No background check at all. They're just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Bear trap for no. For, for, for you couple. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's, a, it's a small town in the Midwest <laughs> and they're just two, two innocent kid looking kids, or at least Nancy is like, bear you're traps. not question someone like Nancy, why you're buying all this yeah. stuff. If it was maybe just Jonathan by himself, maybe a different story. But those big old devices. Why is this teenage nope. couple buying bear traps and a gasoline tank with a lighter fluid? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh man. He's probably like, you know what? I'm just not gonna ask questions. Yeah, right. I don't want to know the answer to. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm getting, <laughs> oh, I'm getting the money. I don't care. <laughs> so, On to the comp- confrontation. The big confrontation. The Jonathan Steve showdown. Oof. Mitchell, I'm sure, would also be pissed for this conversation too, but you know what? Go team Jonathan. Steve fucking deserved every hit he took. Because you know what? Steve was being a dick. He was pulling all the little cards of how can I piss off Jonathan the most? And he picked every word carefully and made sure to use every little bit of hurt towards Jonathan. And Jonathan took it and went for it and that was a great little fight. He did. It wasn't like a little pansy high school fight where they just shove each other. Like it was fists being thrown, and Steve took some hard punches. Yeah. I would give props to Steve though when when um, Tweedle D went to go step in and also get his licks in on Jonathan. Steve's like, "No, back out. This is me." Yep. So yeah. I, I'll because... give I'll give him props there. That I was like, "This is my fight. I'm accountable for this." And yep. I, I will give him props there, but yeah, he got walloped by Jonathan. Yeah, and yeah, I I thought it, uh, Steve was like gonna win at first because you know they like to have the you know quote unquote the the bad guy kind of like win first so that you know they have some you know revenge I guess afterwards. But yeah, Jonathan really yep. just threw like one mediocre left hook, but everything else was solid. He he's a he's a scrappy fighter, he is. and he is. that definitely won him the fight. It did, but not before poor Officer Callahan, the douchebag cop. We hate bat, the most. He took a yes. elbow to the nose, nose. beautifully. <laughs> and, he claims I, he, I know. and he claims he got assaulted. Like, yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. I, I was I was waiting for your reaction to that, Connor and Nick, because oh man, I know how much you hate him. When I he, saw. I, I was, he got he got right in the nose. I'm like, oh, that. I was I was so cathartic of just seeing him just go down. It's like he like he got me, and the, <laughs> it's like it's like, and then he's chasing down the other ones. I'm like, oh my god, is he's he's not going to do shit. Like no, no, <laughs> and like you said, as soon as he, uh, or as soon as they made it like that that he assaulted the police officer. I was like, what is this dude from like 2000 like 22? Like come on, like. It was ridiculous. Like this is, did not get assaulted. No, no, that was very. No, no, that was very much a pride thing. That was that was. Oh, I just got an elbow to the face by this this punk kid, and like I don't want to look bad, so I'm gonna make put the push to blame on him, and no one's gonna question me. Yeah, because he's a punk kid. Sure. Like, but of course, Hopper saw right through that later. Oh yeah, absolutely. But. So that ends the little 
Nancy, Jonathan, Steve storyline, and we go mm-hmm. into Hawk. Hold on, um, I want to I want to skip right to the when Steve talks to uh, Carol and Tommy later, okay. because I because because I think that's it's part of the storyline too, where Steve actually says, "You guys are assholes," and like kind of steps up for himself and then there was a and then tommy gets in his face it's like oh you want me to beat your ass too while i'm at it like no no these are fighting words for you yeah there's something that, there, there is something that tommy says to him and it's in my notes here um where was it i might be skipping ahead here I'm not sure um but like it was just it was i don't know it was it was something that definitely i was like oh i'll find it later but um it was something that i was like oh he's actually standing up for himself i was pretty happy about that yeah and we definitely see steve that's what i'm talking about steve kind of goes to a little emotional roller coaster these couple episodes we constantly see him kind of distancing himself from tommy and carol which I'm all for because they're just meant to not be liked. But at the time, they're just his kind of only two friends, it seems like. For such a popular guy that he is, he only has two friends that are just complete assholes. And he's kind of stuck in that clique. So right, I, I, think... want, I want to put the the, uh, the disclaimer out here now because mm-hmm. we are recording two episodes or this today due to scheduling stuff. I might begin. I think. I think I just mentioned something in episode seven. <laughs> I think so too. But that's yeah. okay. Um, it's it's irrelevant it's, to the overall story. Yeah, but I, I I I think it was very fitting to bring it up now because of the fact that you no, know, it's it meshes in it. We'll talk more about yeah. next episode one, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Sorry. Was, Sorry, I was listeners. Thinking that, but I was like, hmm, I'm just. I saw my show. I have my notes. I have my notes. Just let him figure that. Just like how Nick skipped ahead and watched episode (laughs) eight instead of episode seven. It's okay. (laughs) Don't tell Mitchell. Don't tell Mitchell. (laughs) Mitchell, Uh, I apologize. It was in my notes. I was looking through my. I was looking through episode six notes, and I was like, "Wait, I know I wrote this down. Where is it?" And I went back to my episode seven. I was like, "Crap! It's the very first thing I wrote down in episode seven. I mean, anyway, so, so your point, with, though, with that mistake, fair. with that mistake being said, we'll skip over now to the Hopper Joyce storyline, which is a very short but important one. Um, we see Hopper talking with Joyce about the child's room that he saw in the lab, thinking that it was Will's. And we see Joyce kind of quickly shoot that theory down because that was kind of a callback to last episode when she sees his drawings of will the wise, his D and D character and how detailed it is. And she kind of says, no, like he wouldn't have this childish childish of a drawing in his room. Like he's a good drawer. And it's important to know because now we're finally getting Hopper and Joyce talking about all these little details. And it's not just a general story of what happened. They're actually going into detail and trying to figure out one, who the hell is this kid that was being held in the, lab and where is will still it's it's definitely nice to see hopper start putting pieces together of hey there's another kid what what's the what's the interaction of this because 
to Hopper now realizing like this kid's the X factor of like something's going on that's involving both Will and this kid. Yep. And you no, know, making the connection about Terry Ives when his research back in the library with the two police officers of there's some hunky business going down the research laboratory, which he already visited before. Yeah. And this is kind of where Hopper's investigation kind of peaks in my opinion, because the whole season so far, he's kind of been thinking that Will is directly connected to the lab and this mysterious kid, whereas now he's kind of putting together that these are two completely different kids. And that was definitely important. So now he starts shifting into the Terry Ives and the mysterious Russian kid who everybody thinks is Russian for some reason. I guess because of the uh, commies. whole Cold War situation. Yeah. whole Cold War <laughs> commies testing out new weapons. But he's definitely kind of putting together that there's more kids involved than just Will. And that he can't just purely focus on Will. He has to look at the whole big picture. Um, because in those kind of investigations, like if you just go after just one kid, there could be a whole bunch of others that are missing that you don't pick up on unless you look at that bigger picture. Like and, he's, yeah, I, I agree with that. Where it's like he's seeing some breadcrumbs, but if you don't see, if you don't take a step back and see where the breadcrumbs are actually leading to, yep. Like it's it's you're putting too much effort. It's 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 too much wasted effort that could be used for something else that can pick up a tr- pick up that original trail somewhere else. Yep, and, um, and that's something that you don't get in these small towns because a lot of people don't think of that. And that was even something that the librarian kind of pointed out to Hopper in that one episode as well when she was like, "Shouldn't you be focusing on the whole buyer's case?" And he's like, "I am." People don't realize like it's not just Will; it's a bigger, bigger conspiracy that's happening. And I thought. Um, because like they they go visit um, Ives later on uh, Terry Ives, uh, and they go in they they see that she's not all there, and they yep. find out that she's part of the MK Ultra project. Uh, so for those you don't know, we've mentioned it before about LSD, a bunch of hallucinogens, and they're trying to make these people have you no. Know, supernatural powers you no know, things that we're already seeing 11 has been doing yeah um and the fact that we find out that she's pregnant while uh she's going through this project i, I was like oh oh shit like this is this is going deep toward 11 i i didn't expect that that deep i should expect that deep of a background but i didn't expect it that early yeah. We actually like actually like we finding out like oh things about her family or her yep. actual birth mother. Uh and then the whole thing was like, oh uh the hospital said she mis they, they miscarry, but like uh Terry's like, No, I had this kid. No, this kid's alive somewhere. And Hopper starts questioning because the the sister, as remember correct, that's the sister of Terry, right? That's that she's living yes. in yeah, yep. sister. The sister makes a comment to Hopper. It's like, you and my sister would have got really along well together because that's the way you're thinking. And he, she makes that comment again in the quote-unquote child's bedroom. And 
when on Hopper brought up like, don't you think they can just cover it up? Because we're already seeing with all the, um, with the the one wait lady who works for the uh, the government who came to visit the the burger joint, mm-hmm. you know, impersonating a someone who would have information, and she's the one who eventually killed the burger guy. I remember, don't remember his yep. name. And good so old they, Benny and the Jets. Good old Benny and the Jets, and. The uh, you've already seen before, like, oh, they're willing to do whatever it takes. Like, it's not so far fetched to think, oh, I'm gonna have a bunch of people defeat to even better is with the the morgue. Like, we had people who were impersonating state troopers, having a dead body that was fake, and it's all set up to make sure that people, all the right people, are saying the right things. It's not that hard to get people in a hospital to take the baby and run. Yeah. Now, I wanted to ask you and Nick both this question. Now that I'm assuming we're all assuming that Terry is indeed the mother of Eleven. That is the general consensus, yeah. Okay. How do you – I'm just curious, just for future prediction purposes, how do you think she got to be in the catatonic state that she's in? Because clearly she was – a normal mm. person prior to having Jane or Eleven as we know her to be. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious what your predictions are because we do see how it happened. Yes. So oh, apart eventually. from... I'm going to get... Now, this is wild guess, but apart from the, like, the LSD and the... Uh, mushrooms and like whatever hallucinogens um that she was given uh quick question did we did we ever see like the back of her head or no because my first thought was like possible like lobotomy type type shit like that was kind of the first thing i thought because she really seemed to be in like that vegetative state and uh mm-hmm. oh man what's the uh on you i don't know if you've seen one flew over the cuckoo's nest with jack nicholson or read it mm-hmm. yep. so that to me was very like comparative to um you know to kind of how he gets in the end where he just i forget what he says but you know it's just like one word of you know like mm-hmm. frog 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 or something like that i don't know but that's kind of I, what I thought. I I like where you're going, Nick Connor. What do you um. Think? So, well, whew, that's a pretty. <laughs> so I, I won't I won't confirm or deny anything because I want to wait for you guys to see what actually happens. So with Nick's thing, I just did a quick uh, did some Google Foo, and you say Google does line Google up. Foo. Google Foo. Yes, it's Kung Fu with Google. It's the act of actually knowing what to type into Google to get what you want. There are some things you need to look up online that's like kind of like weirdo. You, you just blew Nick's mind. I'm, Ooh, I'm more just like, like, why do we need a name for that? <laughs> you know, like, what, like, what's the purpose? I have, Everything I, has to show have you like Google Foo. I, I, have, <laughs> sorry. I have learned. <laughs> Did you? I have learned with my multiple jobs that even people with the same ages as us, 
who cannot Google at all. It is insane to me. Yeah, getting to Google is the toughest part. Like, oh, really? Like the, the web browser button for them is like, oof, <laughs> blow their minds with that. But I'm sorry. I, anyway. I, uh, so, because once you said lobotomy, like the, the first thing I thought of too was one flew of the cuckoo's nest. Um, yeah. So, turns out that lobotomies were widely used from the 1930s to early to 1950s. And turns out, from according to Wikipedia, that MK Ultra started in 1953. So, See, okay. Those timelines match up. So, I didn't and... think about MK Ultra, but that's kind of what I thought was that at that time that that could actually be a possibility because then they would know that that is like a surefire way that she can't talk or do like anything about it because if they put her in that state what like what, what is she gonna do so to me there were three pathways how i saw her like three possibilities so my first thought, or my first thing that came up was like, oh, she just could have went crazy just looking for her. Like, kind of situation where Joyce was getting to, except without the evidence that Joyce had. But like, she knew her kid was alive. No one believes her. All the, all the information that is, get, that is out there at the moment is all against her. And she could have went to a catatonic state. Yep. Um, so was, that was option one that I thought of. It's almost a similar state that Joyce could get to. Yes. Yes. Like yeah. if, if, if Joyce didn't have anyone backing up, even like no connection to Will at all, like even, even Will with Will in there, like would say Will did, you know, does die as well as long as Barb and there's no evidence of it happening except her three days of communicating with Will. No, she herself would probably would go crazy, like thinking Will's alive, or no, I had a chance to save my son, and now it's out the window, and I can definitely see them going catatonic because of that. Uh, okay. The second one was very similar to Nick's, where either drugged or no lobotomized. The third one, uh, I um, I just thought of when you when you. You posed the question. They really, I didn't really think too deep into it when you when I first watched it. I'm like, oh, we'll see what happens. Um, and that's why I'm here to pose these questions. And <laughs> the third one I thought was interesting, where because of the fact that she went through MK Ultra, and obviously MK Ultra at some extent did work because Eleven is a byproduct of that. Was there some way that? Uh, she herself was trying to contact Eleven using some power that she might have. Okay. So, because the fact that, like, at least I know, like, no, the feet, the, 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 during field development, she, no, Eleven was going, again, we're assuming Eleven is uh, her daughter, mm-hmm. um, with that assumption being made. Uh, we're going through. The idea that maybe she's trying to contact Eleven through her own means, and uh, it could be a situation where Doctor Burner could have, you know, stepped in and st- stopped the communication between each other between them. No, because no, Eleven could be saying words that she should not know. Uh, 
So kind of that situation. And then because of that, either she had a backlash from the uh, trying to communicate because 11, you can see her getting the bloody noses. Yep. Or the communications would triggered the the uh, government to put, put a stop to her. So that the, the first version of the government's putting a stop to her is she's, she's saying too much. We yeah. should quiet her. The second one is she made contact. Now we're quieting her. So that is the kind of different things. Like there's different ways. And now you're saying like, oh, no, you're not giving anything away. But like you find out what happens. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Like I, I want to see where that goes. Yeah, it's definitely it, it takes place more in the second season, but we do see a little bit into what happens or what happened. So it is definitely something to predict. I'm curious to see what you guys react to see when we actually find out what happens. So on from that, that kind of closes up that little story arc as well. Now we go to the party. They had a interesting little turn of events in this episode. Definitely a lot of drama happening. The party is still split. And we see a lot of them kind of dealing with, I want to say emotions of just dealing with stubborn friends. Because we've all had that one friend where they just get angry and out of control and you try and reason with them. And they just say, nope, this is how we're doing this. And so we start off with Mike kind of just going through a little rage moment of destroying Eleven's little blanket fort that he made her. Because he's upset. He feels betrayed. And... A little bit later, we get Dustin visiting Mike in the basement. And he's angry at himself. Mike's saying that he's angry at himself for shouting at Eleven. So he's starting to calm down. Then he shifts his blame to Lucas. So we have that little back and forth between Mike and Dustin of who's to blame. And we've all been there. We've had our our friendship moments where one friend's just being a stubborn ass. And it's like, just just swallow your pride and go apologize. And that's kind of what we see here between Dustin, Mike, and Lucas. I don't want to pump no. Dustin's tires too much, but I know he said like, "Oh, see, he didn't. He again, he he was he didn't cause the conflict, but he could have he could have done something." But him saying, "Oh, I was a rational one here," like there's something I, that. There, there's something that I learned. Those who know, know I, I coach hockey, um, and something that I always told my kids, especially about that age group, which I coach 10, 10 year olds to twelve year olds, and then or ten unders, twelve under, and then sixteen under. Which with, with the twelve year olds, I definitely try to re- bring this home with them. Is like, even though that two people get in a conflict, the bystanders are still part of it. You're watching, yep. and. I do think Dustin was right, him being in this situation right now, the rational one, because he is the third party. So he has, he still has things at stake, but it's not as much at stake as those two being, you know, full on leaning, leaning on their emotions. And um, I, I think Dustin doesn't get involved because he's very, he's a very firm believer of don't split the party. Oh, yeah. And, I, and I get he that. kind of realizes if I take a side, I'm just going to divide it even more. So he's the one trying to stay in the middle and pull everybody back together. It's no, just I, not going his way. Oh, I give him, I give him 100 props on that. I'm just more so the fact that like I thought he could have phrased it a little better. But again, he's also like a middle schooler, so like I'm, I'm surprised. 
um like i i, I thought i think that he would have more props to maybe have a little more more accountability like yeah i didn't do anything but at the same time no i've i i still see the path forward and that path forward's us all working together we need to yeah. get this done he's he's still being very goal orientated of this is the best way to attack this problem let's knock off our check boxes of what do we need to get get ready to accomplish our goals yeah because uh, like they so were kind of close at all no, no you're good you're good i was just saying uh they uh yeah like they were getting ready to like kind of like split up and then um you know like uh like like connor alluded to that's you know kind of the the reason why they i think were kind of having these issues before is that they weren't really like following the plan they were kind of like bickering back and forth like mike and lucas so eventually yeah. like you know everybody was wrong i think in a sense but i think dustin was the least amount of wrong in that yeah. he, he was definitely the most rational but like connor said he definitely could have done more but then again for being a middle schooler it's like you know doing his best and it's kind of a common problem in middle school too because it's you're you're almost like merging friend groups or you're introducing new people to the group i mean yeah. we We've all been through different friend groups throughout middle school and elementary school and high school, but it's that awkward situation where most of the group doesn't want that new person there, but then there's that one kid that wants that new person there, and that's Mike trying to keep Eleven part of the group. Dustin doesn't seem to mind either way, but Lucas is just 100% against her, and that's part of why he refuses to accept Mike's apology, because... He gives the ultimatum. He says it's either eleven or it's me. And it's yeah. also kind of a dick move on Lucas's part because it's like y'all want to be friends, but it's like, nope. It's gotta be either her or me. Hold on, you brought you wrote a really good point there. Because Dustin did allude to this as well. Where when they were biking over to go see Lucas to try to hash things out with each other, Dustin makes the comment because they're talking about like, oh, best friends. And mm-hmm. like, oh, Dustin, Dustin makes the comment that Mike and Lucas grew up together when they were chi- when they were like young children, and they were next or relative next door neighbors to each other. Where Dustin lives down the street, but they became friends. I think he said in fourth grade. So you can have that connection where Mike and Lucas might have a stronger bond as when it comes to the time they have been spent together and Lucas is more of a newcomer quote unquote to the group, even though no, they don't see him as much, but Dustin as being the quote unquote newcomer, he, he understands that those two are close to each other than Mike and Dustin is. And Mike's like, Oh, you're my best friend too. And like, Dustin's like, but can you have more than one best friend? Like, it doesn't make sense. Best means, you are the best out of all of them. It, there's only can be one, really. And Mike refutes that. Oh, you're all my best friends. And it, it goes into the point where Dustin Dustin's talking about, hey, I have a feeling Lucas could be jealous that you're giving attention to L rather than 
having the normal amount of attention that Lucas and Lucas himself is used to when it comes to their relationship as the friends that they've been through thick and thin from when they were toddlers to now. Yeah. And I, and, yeah, that's, a, that's a good point. And I, I'll go be perfectly honest with you. Like, you know, compare to me versus you and Izzo. Because I'm someone who moved. I was like Dustin where I moved into the area in, I think, third grade. But I, I didn't was in front with you and all your people from where you grew up. Like Izzo, who we just grew up pretty much a few houses back from each other. Same yeah, it's kind of the same situation. Yeah, me and Nick grew up right down the street from each other. But like, like when 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 did you move to your house? Well, I, that was that was I was born in that house. You were born in the house. Is it the same way for you? Yep. See that to me, I'm the Dustin here because no, that's <laughs> something that that's something that I had to deal with as someone like Dustin, where I was the no, I was still great friends with you both, but I still felt that like there were things that you guys have done growing up with each other that I never experienced. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm so sorry we made you feel that way, Connor. <laughs> I still love you all. I I always will. I'm sorry for but having you shouted. <laughs> but it's, a, it's it's different how we are. But but it makes us who we are, and that's how a lot of relationships are built that the, way. The only thing you really missed out on, Connor, was drunken Monopoly and Pichos. <laughs> Dude, I have my own Pichos. <laughs> They are great. Oh, <laughs> Drunken Monopoly boy, let Where, me tell you. You know you're down bad. You want to talk about an interesting night? Yeah, you know you Nick and Jordan just got trashed and played Monopoly and just made up a whole bunch of rules to involve alcohol, and <sighs> ended up going up to the rooftop hours later, and that's where I fell off the roof. Yeah, oh, that's the was first that time. Right. Oh God. That's right. Yep. And you know what? I still made it to work at six o'clock that morning. I can't remember. If yeah, that, that's had, all you missed out on. Connor. I can't remember if I worked the next right. morning. I certainly yeah, hope not. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, but, um, anyhow, anywho, off that little tangent. Uh, so let's see. So yeah, so we see Lucas kind of, kind of go out on his own. He's he's pulling a little Rambo. He's going solo. He's got his little army gear on. And he heads out, and we see the sketchy ass government repairman just watching him leave his house. So obviously <laughs> they're they all under surveillance, which <laughs> <laughs> they do. <laughs> I can't remember like if if Lucas was kind of onto him or not. I think Lucas was kind of skeptical, but I don't think he understood exactly what that guy was there for. I think not I think yet, he clocked least. it. Yeah, I think he clocked that. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then yeah. kept going, but when he got to there, when he when he eventually got to the lab, he's like, uh, "Why are those vans there in also military trucks?" Yep, exactly. Then and we'll get to it a little later. On yeah, and that also kind of crosses into the next episode too, with how that all plays out, but in terms of Lucas's storyline, he's going solo and he stakes out outside the little government facility. And we get a little shift. We finally find Eleven taking a little uh, shopping trip to the local supermarket where uh ends up stealing a bunch of boxes of Legos from the store. You just call them Legos. You call them Legos. Egos. I was thinking Lego my I was thinking Lego my Ego and Legos came out. 
but yeah, so <laughs> you know, of all foods, why what else would you steal other than a couple boxes of Eggo waffles? You know, the breakfast of champions. But we I... see a before we go any further, we see her have a little flashback scene um with Dr. Brenner placing her into a bathtub to find the demigorgon or the monster, whichever you want to call it. So we got another little not a big scene, but a little another flashback into Eleven's past. Well, it's more so Eleven being upset that she opened the gate because once she touched him, yep, shit went to hell. Oh, yeah. So yeah, we we still don't see fully what happened between her and the monster, but we definitely know Doctor Brenner was definitely pushing her towards it. So, do you think? Dr. Brenner was using her purposely to open a portal, or do you think it was an accidental opening? Purpose. Because obviously we, we see the government kind of dealing with the aftermath of it still. So what do you think the purpose of having Eleven try and find this monster was? Well, I think uh, as many of the shows and movies that I have seen across my lifetime, the government always wants to use whatever supernatural power to their benefit and somehow militarize it as a weapon. That's always their primary directive. It happens in so many things that I think that he's got his own obvious personal agenda that he uses Eleven's powers that he thinks that I don't know what it is that he can get, but I think there's something there that he's just <laughs> like, oh, that's power. I gotta, I gotta have that shit. Like that's okay. that's just him. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I same same thought process was was it intentional to open the gate? No, that was a side effect. But he you do mention he does mention to Eleven like I want you to make contact and like he does touch her nose, and so you can see her do the same like nonchalantly try to touch the the monster, and it's she didn't know what was, was going to happen. I doubt yep. that Brenner knew it was going to happen either. Next thing you know, you're freaking giant crack to open the wall. <laughs> oh yeah, like to me, I think that. The, I think that her touching the Demogorgon was her interacting with that other plane, and once she did so, opened the portal. I think that was like the interaction that gave gave the Demogorgon a foothold into the, I guess, the reality of all of us okay no it seemed like uh i i thought it was the i guess the scream the action of that because like once that happens you just see everything like you know vibrate and it's just like i think because she was so afraid like it it seems like the, the the times that she's like really afraid and like screams like that like kind of amplifies things but also she just gets like completely wiped out it's almost like a shockwave like uh 
They're like Black Canary from the DC comics. Yeah. If you guys yeah. are familiar with her. I, I am. Similar to that kind of character. For sure. And you you beat me, you beat me to the punches, though, because I was about to think, I was just thinking just now as well, where, no, it could be a situation too where, like, kind of what my first thought were the the contact opened the gate, even unintentional. But it could be a vice versa thing where the monster itself could have used her as an amplifier for its own power and use her to amplify its the monster's power to open it for itself. So the monster could have used her to do its own bidding. So Okay. Very plausible. Good theories. Good theories. Stranger things have so, happened. Ho, 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 <laughs> he said the line. Oh, oh he said it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we see Eleven kind of storm out and call the, the store clerk a mouth breather, which I thought was pretty funny. Anyone who just gets in her way is now a mouth breather. Uh, that was and, an interesting choice of words. So. <laughs> How do you know where the echoes were? That's the one thing I do not get in the whole thing. It was like, she made a beeline for it. Isn't that what Mike I was feeding her for like a yes, week? Mike... No, 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 no. I, what I'm saying is that someone who's never been in a grocery store before, how do you know what the egos are? Well, what we did not see was her simply using her powers to find egos because she was hungry. The ego radar. It was an off-scene thing. Off-scene, yeah. <laughs> it's the only logical reason I can think of as to how she knew exactly where to go. But yes, to what Izzy was saying is that is what Mike was feeding her. So that was kind of her, because we don't know what she was eating at the lab. No, I get so that. This, I, this I is probably the first that. good food. She, this is probably the first good food she's ever had. So she's like, I need egos. Where American can I get food. them? Sat down, used her powers, and tuned in, and went right for that store. Do 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 you think the mom like had any indication through the, like the receipt and her shopping bill? Like, huh? I've had to buy these Eggos, like, a lot more recently. Like, I wonder who's eating all these. I I mean, coming from our household, probably not, because the amount of food we went through as kids, I don't think our parents ever really questioned how much food they were purchasing, because, I mean, we had our weekend weekend binges where we all hung out and just went house to house, just devouring everything in sight. I mean, for Christ's sake, yeah. we used to go to Nico's house and just eat his vanilla wafers on him. Oh, I was going to say the same right, thing. I was just thinking about that. Oh, man. His mom so, was I mean... like, hey, they're there. Okay. And I, I, had the, I had the open permission of, like, the vice versa thing where I had that connection with Nico's. I always know Nico. You guys didn't know him as long. And I had the inside route. I was like, I know the vanilla wafers are. They're mine. That's right. He housed that box. <laughs> <laughs> they were so good, though. <laughs> they were. But, but that being said, I mean, they Mike always has his friends over. They're always playing D anD D, so she probably never thought anything of it. They were just. She was probably like, "Oh, they must just be on a, an Egos binge this week." That's fair. That's a good point. But so we see Eleven storm off. They call the cops. So this is our first indicator. A little foreshadowing what's what might happen in the future with now police getting involved of a bald girl stealing food from a store and shoplifting and using odd powers. So we'll see how that plays out in an episode or two. But 
Hopper's definitely probably going to get wind of a bald girl stealing Eggo waffles from a local grocery store. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like in a small town, yeah, so, it's probably something that will be talked about. Yeah. Oh. So, so after that, we see Mike and Dustin have a little confrontation with their local bullies, Troy, and uh, I think the other guy's name is Jane James. And God, I just I hate them so much. And I know Mitchell would probably yeah. say some really mean things about these guys as well if he were here. But they just start chasing them through the quarry and corner them at the edge of a cliff. And it's the same cliff spot where the deputy was, I think, episode one or two, where they're like, yeah, you know, you wouldn't survive that jump. And Hopper was, or Hopper explained how you wouldn't survive that jump. But Troy holds Dustin at knife point and basically threatens to cut out his teeth unless Mike jumps off the cliff. And let's just say Mike is a real bro in this moment because he had no fucking clue Eleven was there. He's like, I'm going to help out my friend because I don't want to see him get hurt, and I'm going to take the leap of death. Like, He probably knew that he was going to die with that jump, which I thought was a little a little extreme. Like, Your friend's teeth are going to get cut out, but you're going to fucking die yeah. by jumping off that cliff. Everybody was dramatic in that entire, yeah. <laughs> through that entire <laughs> exchange. And, and that, oh, that that scene reminded me a little bit of the bully from it. If you've ever, if you guys have ever seen that movie, the the newer one. No. Um, Neither one. There was I, a hate, bo- I hate clowns. I also hate clowns, so I will never watch anything like that. Well, Let's in a future podcast, that. I'm gonna make you guys watch no. it. I won't. I won't <laughs> be a part of it. But anyway, there's a bully in that movie who chases the fat kid in town. And literally starts carving into the guy's into the kid's stomach with his pocket knife, and it's just this really extreme scene of like high school, you know, middle school, high school bullying gone too far. But we see Mike take the jump. I can't say I would have done that for either of you. I don't know if I would have taken the leap of death as Mike did. No, but. No. Honestly, let's I, be real. We probably all went swimming. Went, went swimming <laughs> at them. Yes. But, like, I, yeah. I would have. I, I don't. Yeah, that was definitely an option. But and we definitely see them make the attempt. They throw rocks and sticks at each other. Doesn't have much of effect. They, no. They're not the uh, the scrappiest of fighters like Jonathan or Steve. No. No, and their so and their Troy accuracy with the hand. rocks was not good either. <laughs> It was definitely bad. I mean, they, they but, had a storm So we accuracy. see Mike take the jump. And... <laughs> oh, that's so true. But we see Mike take the jump. And even Troy's face was like, holy shit, he actually jumped. Like, I wasn't expecting him to. Like, what were you expecting him to do? Like, what was Troy going to do in that moment? Like, I really want to know what his motive was. Yeah. Like, Interesting. What was he... What was the life he was going to do with this bullying? Right. and the, like He threatened to cut out a kid's teeth unless Mike jumped. What was he expecting to happen? Right. Like, absolute psycho. But I, I, I think the thing that I found interesting about that was I thought it was nice that the other kid, well, I, I forget his name because he's partly important, but uh, he actually was like, hey, like, no. you, he's like, you sure about this? Like, 
this does not seem like a good idea. So he actually You had, sure about that? You sure like, about that? <laughs> you sure about that? Like he actually had some wherewithal, but in that in that scene you find out I mean, I don't know if I guess we knew this before, but you find out who the quote alpha is of that tandem. Because the first one to like quote back down, I think, or like not go along with like the said plan, like he still Troy still had him at knife point. He he's definitely like the leader of those two. So I hope I hope Karma hits him again besides for the you know the 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 arm that he the broken arm that he suffers but i guess we'll find out yeah i was gonna say karma hit troy real fast when 11 brought mike back up because she's like you just fucked my friend or my boyfriend whichever you want to call him does a little head snap breaks his arm and they go off running like a couple of babies yep and that's where we kind of wrap up the episode we have 11 has a little flashback where we see her officially encountering the Demogorgon and they touch, opens the gate and freeze it into the lab. So we finally see how the monster came in. I believe that's kind of where we looked and saw in the first episode where the monster is running loose in the lab. I'm assuming that's where we see Hmm. that kind of take place. Um, And then Dustin and Mike and Eleven kind of have their little friendly embrace of, you know, you're a part of our group. Hugs. Which notably, notably, Lucas is not there yet to officially bring her into the group. But Mike and Dustin kind of like, yeah, no, you're part of the group. You saved our lives. And they return home. And Lucas, we see him looking at the lab and sees a bunch of soldiers leaving the lab. So that's where we end off on this episode. Connor, Nick, what do you think is going to happen next? So my predictions for this one, I've written this down. Um, so first thing was like the immediate, like Lucas is like, hey, shit's about to get down here. Uh, and you know, let, let, the, let the guys know because you can see him. When he was on his bike, he had the compass on top of the radio. So he's had some ability to contact them. So like, hey, something hunk is going down here. No, I'm seeing the same van as I'm seeing this military interrelation outside my household. No, that's what my vantage point was. And then um, because the fact that Hopper was with Joyce and then Nancy was with John and now one of them's arrested, you know, <laughs> I put two to two together and I'm like, hmm team up finally like we haven't had really any of the groups kind of connect to each other in yep. the episodes yet so i was like this is if you're going to do this at any time now is the time to team them up and like hey we saw the monster <laughs> yep like it next so, how about you uh i would say uh as as far as the the two like main story arcs go i think for for the party i think uh i think lucas is probably gonna you know come back and like report his his findings and then they'll probably further come up with like a, a plan i would say um in terms of yes now i feel like i have to think of something different because 
Connor actually said <laughs> something that I that I kind of thought of. I was like, you know, dude, say it. Yeah, say it. Like it, it, we get the same idea. It's nothing wrong. So, with that. just in terms of like where Hopper and Joyce have gone for like you know these episodes and where uh, Jonathan and Nancy have gone, like you you brought you kind of brought it up already, but they it just kind of seems like like they're finally gonna like cross paths of like I, I forget what the meme is but it's like the two cars that are like passing by and i think it's from umbrella academy <laughs> oh or something. it's you know uh, what I'm talking about the umbrella academy yes yep the umbrella academy yep that's that's with the uh i don't know the character's name I, i've seen the show but yeah the names are it's like you don't point, it's like it's you the, don't expect uh, to see that person like right there at that time kind of thing Mm-hmm. I I feel like it's that's like, kind of where it, it where it's at. It's yeah. like they're just gonna cross and be like, "Huh? Like, wait a minute! Like, like you saw this? Like, you know about this? Like, how do you know about this?" And then like, once they ultimately have like you know some some tea and a, and a powwow sesh, like they'll be like, "Oh my god! Like, this is crazy!" I don't know. That's kind of what I thought. Okay. Good predictions. So. I think now we do the ratings. I know our good friend Mitchell is not here to give his accurate and precise uh, prediction or rating for this episode, but let's start around the clock with Connor. Eight point one. It was 8.1. it was good. It was good. Like as those who've probably been following, they it wasn't as good as the previous three episodes, in my opinion. Um, which for review, eight point nine, eight point nine, nine point one. But I thought it was a good episode. Like I didn't have, it was more of a, it was more a slower pace episode. But at the same time, it still had some good meatiness to it. I thought it was it was, yeah. it was good. And like my rea- my initial reaction was like, okay, I see where they're going with this. Let's see where the next one goes. Like I still had a willingness to go keep watching. Um, but like at the same time, like they, compared to the previous episode, where I'm like. Oh, I kind of want to wait till next week. Or, like this, this one did not have that same reaction to me, of like, ooh, I can't wait. Yeah, I understand. It it didn't have that big cliffhanger ending. You kind of, mm-hmm. and it it kind of shows and how you and Nick both had the same prediction for next week. Like they kind of Allude. pointed the air. They kind of pointed the arrow of like this is kind of where we're going with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I a hundred percent agree. I uh. I didn't dislike the episode, but rating wise, it it was a filler episode to me. Like it showed enough that it makes you obviously want to keep watching, but when you look at it as a whole, you're like, eh, like it was okay. So I would give this one like a seven point eight. Which again, that's I don't really think that's, it's that's, again bad. You know, it's above a. It's above a seventy, so but, that's that's still like in in line with I had. Yeah, it's like wise. it's like almost an eight. So yeah, I mean, and I'll give you props for someone who did not have the spreadsheet in front of them. You pulling out seven point eight out of your ass, that was nice. Why was that the average <laughs> or something? That's that's right in between your lo- uh between episode two and episode three, which hmm. were right, right where I put the episode myself. Okay. 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 Yeah. Well, this episode for me was a seven point five. 
only because it just wasn't as strong of an episode. It kind of was, like Nick said, it was definitely a filler in the sense that nothing nothing crucial happened other than getting a few interesting background pieces into Eleven, assumedly Eleven's mom's living situation and the whole connection there and seeing the party kind of go through a separation period, if you will. Yeah. It, it really was it really wasn't much going on. It was still enjoyable, but it, it just it wasn't anything to rave about. It, it was it a feel, character building yes. episode. Yes. Yeah. It, to me it like it it was the it was kind of like a good episode for uh for summarizing or I guess like starting a subplot, I guess if that makes sense. You know, because it's like it, you kind of see like it's it's almost like the show's taking a breath before the finale yeah, because we yeah. do only have two episodes left after this. Right. Right. And as our prediction as our ratings have gone, like this show has gotten better and better and a lot more has happened. And then this is kind of like that little pause to set up what's about to happen. And there always has to be one or two of those every season, no matter yeah. what show you watch. So yeah. It totally yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah, so that's my my rating, seven point five. That is an average of seven point eight, which I think is very fair compared to the other averages we have. So Yeah. Now not not as high as the previous three, but still like respectable. What do you what do yeah. we think Mitchell would give? I we will this definitely is, get this from boy him later kinda... on, but I'm gonna take a shot in the dark here. I'm gonna take a shot in the dark here. I'm gonna go with a seven point four two. See, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm right now predictions for each one of us. I think I think it's actually to be lower than a seven because really, yeah, because his boy, his boy Steve, got his ass whooped. He, and he I think <laughs> I think that's gonna bring this episode down severely. I, you know, I I, I do agree with that. I think the Jonathan Steve reversal in this episode definitely would have made Mitchell mad. I'm sure that's part of the reason why he didn't want to do it this episode. Like, he just didn't want to do yeah, it. I, I think he's going to go like a five. He made up plans. Four. He just didn't want to accept the fact that Team Jonathan took a W this episode. They did. Mitchell, we still love you. <laughs> they did. They did. So, Nick, what, what are you predicting? I'm putting this down, like what his predict, what your predictions are for his episode. What do you think it's going to be? Give me, give me, give me, give me your wild Mitchell number. My wild Mitchell number. Let's see. For for this episode, I'm going to say. He's, God, I think he's going to go over a five, but under a six. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with five. Point. Four, three, eight. All right, Connor. What's what's your let's random see, Mitchell number? Let's, let's, um, like so I let's think, see who I, I, let's I, see who gets closest. I think that you are giving the narrative way too much for the uh, <laughs> the hate of Jonathan. I will say that uh, knowing knowing how much he he obviously loves the show. Um, I had numbers in front of me what he dealt his score previously, which does help me. So I would say he's going to give it a eight point 
three three. Oof, that's high. Wow. Okay. okay, this this is in, re- in reference to his other episodes because the lowest he's ever rated was eight point two one, which is the opening episode, which is still a good rating. Yeah. But, I, but I definitely don't think it's, he's not going to rate it as high as episode two, three, four, and five. So well. Mitchell will be back for the season finale, so we will find out then what his true ratings were, and we can get bragging rights as to who was closest. Oh, yeah. We're going to do it for the next episode as well, because why the hell not? We're Absolutely. Gonna, we're going to price his right at two, so if his thing is seven, that means I'm a winner. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. I think that's it for for this episode. I think that closes it up. So, well, thank you for all for listening in. Uh, if you have not already, definitely try to follow us on our socials. Uh, Tommy, you know what the socials are at the top of your hand? I believe it's just Strange Nerds Podcast on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, you can also like, follow, and subscribe the podcast. It's Strange Nerds Podcast on all major uh, podcast sites. Specifically, Spotify and Apple Podcasts are probably the number one, two, I would say. And to confirm, that is correct. Stranger Nerds Podcasts on one string. Very nice job. So, uh, we will see you all for next week of Episode 7, which is The Tub. Which, fun stuff. Have Have a good day, everybody. Have a good night. Those says.